Luke chapter 7 from verse 1 onwards. Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. Praise be to God. This is a very um, uh, profound um, real incident that took place in um, the life of this centurion um, ruler who was a ruler uh, over a hundred soldiers and also in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. A man who was able to make Jesus marvel. Look at the faith he had and look at the quality he had, he was able to touch the heart of Jesus Christ. There were many people who came for prayer, many people who came for healing. They all had faith and that's why they were there. They all came there for healing. But when you look at this man, he was a Roman centurion. He was not an Israelite. He was someone who did not belong to the seed of Abraham. He was not someone who had um, miracles that were done uh, by God for his ancestors. He didn't have the rich history that the people of Israel had. The people of Israel had a very rich history. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. God had done so much you know, for them. But this man who was not someone who came from that line, actually was able to touch the heart of Jesus Christ more than the Jewish people who were there. No matter who we are, our faith can touch the heart of God. God loves to do miracles. But when he sees faith such as this, It's not just the miracle that he's doing because he was moved with compassion. There's a heart that is leaping for joy. He's saying, I have not seen this in all of Israel. Two things I want to say here. One is, the outstanding faith of this Roman 
centurion. And number two is the statement that Jesus made, which was not just a commendation for this Roman centurion, but it also revealed the pain in Jesus' heart. You have a group of people who had this rich heritage, but did not believe like how this man who didn't have that, but had far greater faith than those, the entire group of people who saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. God went before them. God went after them. God parted the Red Sea. God opened the River Jordan. God poured manna in the desert. So much God did for them. But not a single person there in Israel had this kind of faith. God is speaking to our hearts today. Where is our faith? Our faith can actually bring joy to God or can bring sorrow to God. To what extent are we believing in God? See, many times when we see God do so many things, after seeing so many things, we can be worse than a Gentile. But you look at this Roman soldier. We see people that God actually points out. Look at all these guys. Out of nine, one came back to give God thanks. And who was that? A Samaritan. And out of all the people in the nation of Israel, this man grabbed the attention of Jesus Christ, not because he wanted to make a scene, but he was real. He really believed God. He grasped something that the rest of the Israelites, the seed of Abraham, failed. May God speak to our hearts today. We can receive so much and not have that which people have not received even quarter of what we received from God. We need to be the people who cause God to be so happy that our faith is of great worth. We need to have that precious faith. We need to have the faith of great value. We need to have this faith that will touch the heart of God. What did he do? What did he do that was so outstanding, that touched the heart of God? You look at the circumstances here. You see, this centurion, he had a servant, and this servant was very dear to him and was sick and ready to die. The servant was a very dependable servant, a very valuable servant, a servant who was trustworthy. Similar to how Elisa was to Abraham. The servant was of high value. I want to emphasize the point over here. God's kingdom functions the same way. Satan's kingdom too. Those who obey God and those who do whatever God tells them to do first and make that their priority. Do it exactly the way the Lord says and immediately when the Lord says will be esteemed by God. They'll be of high worth. They have a high value before God. Just as the servant was very dear to the heart of the centurion, there are 
people in this world who are very dear to the heart of God. The Bible says Daniel was called the beloved of God. John was a beloved of God, a beloved disciple of God. Abraham was called the friend of God. There were specific people in the Bible when they opened their mouths and they called out to God. God just did whatever. It's like when Queen Esther, she went before the king. As soon as the king saw her, she didn't even have to say anything. He said, what do you want? Up to half of my kingdom, I will give. So pleasing. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But within the faith, what kind of faith do we have? What level of faith do we have? To what extent do we believe? Do we say, Lord, because you did this for me before, I'm looking back to what you did and holding on to that and I'm expecting you to do something. It's good. But you know what? It's not outstanding. It's not outstanding. It's good to recollect that which God has done and to hold on to that and believe God for something. That's good because you're not doubting. You're holding on to something. But God wants you to go to a place where even if you don't have anything to hold on to, you know that he's faithful. You know that he will keep his word. You know that he's all powerful. Even if nothing is visible before you and everything is taken away from you, Can you still say, heaven and earth may fade, but your word will remain. You never change. You are still the same. No matter what happens in front of me, whether it looks green or not, whether it looks bright or dark, is our faith dependent on our circumstances? How big is our faith? As soon as something comes, are we slipping? This is what the Spirit of God is showing me. There are many here. You're like people who try to climb, but you don't have grip. Proper grip when you climb up. As soon as something happens, you start slipping down. God is speaking at this hour. You need to have strong fingers, strong hands. No matter what the enemy may try to do, you need to be able to dig into the word and hold on to the word. Nothing should be able to move you. You cannot be a circumstantial Christian. When we see God do something for us, we shout out. The Israelites did that. They all screamed and they panicked. When they saw Pharaoh and the army chasing after them. They actually wanted to kill Moses at that point. God was merciful and had Moses part the Red Sea. And then what happened? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Everybody's singing and they're all happy because the Red Sea opened up. How much did it sink in? Because shortly after that they want to stone Moses again. How much did it sink in? Even if the Red Sea doesn't part. Even if River Jordan doesn't part. Even if manna doesn't come from heaven. Even if the rock doesn't split open. 
and no water comes out of it. Are we able to trust God that he is able to sustain us? God is speaking something very deep here. Are we able to trust God that God is able to sustain us? You know, a lot of times we look to the heavens and say, Oh, I'm looking for rain, I'm looking for rain, I'm looking for rain, I'm looking for rain. And then we pray, Lord, I know rain is coming, day one. I know rain is coming, day two. I know rain is coming, day three. Fortieth day. That's a big thing. Forty days, you're lasted, and now no rain. I prayed, Lord, nothing happened. And what happened? So you become like a deflated balloon. All of a sudden, oh, what's the point of me praying? Why should I pray? And now, what's the point? Because there are no dark clouds there. I'm not able to see any clouds that carry water. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Do you have your eyes upon the sky? By what means things should happen? Or are you able to believe that whether it rains or not, God is still able to sustain you. God is still able to take you water or no water. God is still able to keep you alive in famine. By whatever means, God may choose to do whatever he wants to do. Are we able to trust him to be the God of our lives? Whatever way, he's all powerful. The centurion believed God. In the midst of everything that looked dead. A valuable centurion. A valuable servant to the centurion. You see two valuable people here. The people are coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, this is a very valuable centurion. He did much for us. For who? For the Jewish people. So this man was not just any Roman centurion. He had regard for the God of Israel. He had the fear of God in his heart. He had some kind of connection with God, even though he was a Roman centurion, just like Cornelius. He was not of the Jewish descendant. The Jewish people may look at him like, oh, he's a Gentile. But he was valuable in the sight of God, just like Naaman the Syrian. Many times we make a big mistake. You know, the Lord told me many years ago, heaven is going to be full of surprises. A lot of people who thought they'll be in heaven will not be there. That's shocking. A lot of people. Lots of people. Lots of people. And people who despise people saying that they're not going to be in heaven, we will be in heaven. They're all going to be in heaven. God is speaking to our hearts today. The faith of the centurion marveled the heart of God, because he had a heart of gold to begin with. He was a man, though he was a Gentile. He had regard for the God of Israel, and he built a synagogue for the Jews. He was someone who really was helpful, a valuable man to the Jewish people. And the people are saying, Lord, the centurion deserves it. And did Jesus say, well, don't bring these things to me like certain people say that. God doesn't look at your merits and he's not going to look at your good deeds and all those things. Well, let me tell you, that's a corrupt spirit that has brought corrupt teaching from the pit of hell. God does see what you do. God saw how Noah lived. God saw how Job lived. God saw how many people that he sees what you do. 
God sees your deeds. God sees what you do in the secret. God sees what you do in the open. God sees your heart. God does see our works. He does. And when the people brought it to Jesus, you know what Jesus did? He went with them. Because he honored the man. And he honored the words of those who came and said, Lord, this is a valuable man. Jesus traveled all the way to pray for the centurion's servant to heal him. To bring healing for the centurion's servant, Jesus traveled all the way. Roman centurion's servant. If someone comes and tells you, oh, Jesus was only for the Jewish people and, and um, he's not for the Gentiles, show them this picture. Jesus traveled for the Samaritan woman and he traveled for the Roman centurion. Roman centurion servant. The centurion servant was so valuable to the centurion. The centurion was so valuable to the Jewish people. God is asking this question. How valuable are you to God? How valuable are you to God's people? Do you have a reputation? Sincerely from God Almighty. But God can say, you're very valuable to me. I'm not going to let you die. I need you here. I'm going to do this for you. Because you're valuable to me. God is speaking to our hearts today. God sees what we do for him. God saw what this man did for the kingdom of God. He built the synagogue there. So that the people can go and worship the living God. And when that was brought to Jesus Christ, Jesus listened and he paid attention to that and he said, I'm coming. I'm coming. God sees all that you do. And God takes into account everything. Everything. We don't know all the things that the centurion might have faced in building the synagogue and really partnering with the Jewish people. But he was someone who stood for what he believed and he did what he felt in his heart to do. And Jesus said, I'm going to his house. Jesus went to his house. A Jewish Messiah going to a Roman centurion's house because of what he saw. Now you see here, when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. A man who never felt entitled because he built the synagogue, because he was a Roman centurion. You see, humility at heart in this man's life. Even though he was a man of authority. Even though he had done so many things. He didn't tell the Jewish people, well, you go and tell him, you know, my position and how much I did. No. The people spoke up for him. God is speaking to our hearts today. Humility is a key. To every blessing that God has for us. He humbled himself. And he said. My servant must live. And he pleaded with the people. Pleaded with the people and told them. Go and tell Jesus this. And the most beautiful thing is. Even though. He had such a high position. 
even though he had done so much for the Jewish people. He didn't feel like, let me go and tell Jesus who I am and let me just go and you know come with a whole troop behind him and try to speak to Jesus of who he is and let me take you and just you know walk very proudly. No. He felt, even though he did all these things, he knew who he was and who Jesus was. It's very important to know who the Lord God Almighty is. To know our place in the kingdom of God is so important. He knew who he was and he knew who Jesus was. Even though he was in a high position in the sight of the world, he knew that before Jesus. He was a tiny fellow. He had this humility which brought God's favor upon him. Even for God to allow him to build a synagogue for him. It's the favor of God. That is centurion experience because he was so humble. A Gentile who carried the traits of the living God. There are people like that. With the little knowledge they know, when they know that Jesus is God, they just hold on to it. While people who sit in church for centuries don't have a drop of what people like the Roman centurion have. God is speaking to our hearts today. It is for every single one to see what is worth looking at. Taking that and saying, Lord... Let me be like this man. Let me be like this man. Let me be like this man. This man was great before God. Great before the people. Not because he had a lot of power. Because he had a lot of love for God. Because he had a lot of humility. Even though he was a centurion... People didn't talk much about his power and his position in the Roman Empire. But he talked about what he did for God. They talked about how humble he was. They're coming to Jesus Christ. They're saying, this man needs your help, Lord. Who are these people? They're not his own people. They're not his own people. These are Jewish people. They really don't like the Romans. But they are coming. Pleading on behalf of the Roman centurion. You see God's love. Two qualities are very important in the lives of believers. Love. God kind of love. Humility. God kind of humility. When we have God kind of love and God kind of humility, we will have God kind of faith. Because faith comes from God. God gives to every person a measure of faith. And how does that faith grow? And how does this faith added to the people? The more they have the heart of God. The more they respect God, honor God. This centurion honored the God of Israel. He had that honor for God. He loved the people of God. Now how do you know you really love God? God says in the book of uh, the epistle of John through his servant. 
you don't love your brother, you see, how can you love God? But if you do, you love God because God's love abides in you. And Jesus said the very same thing in John's Gospel. Love one another just like how I have loved you. How did Jesus love Peter? How did Jesus love Judas? How did Jesus love Andrew? How did Jesus love each and every single one of the disciples? How did Jesus love the public? How did Jesus love the sinners? How did Jesus love Mary Magdalene? How did Jesus love all those who even tried to pull him down? God says, you see Jesus' love. How he loved his disciples and how he washed the feet of his disciples. You do the same. That's what Jesus said. You see me doing? You do the same. You do the same. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. The centurion became great in the sight of God. Even though he had a high position, he had the heart of a servant. He served God and he served the people of God. He loved God and he loved the people of God, the Jewish people. When we truly love God, we love God and we love his people. You cannot separate those. Those are like linked together. Because his people are his heart as we sang in the song that the Lord gave me. His people are his. His pride. He died for them. And they are the apple of his eye. And so when we love God and we love his people, like he does, there is this grace from God that abounds. I want to repeat, loving God will translate into loving his people, God's people. Now, it's not the other way around. Loving people is not loving God. You know, some people say God is love, love is God. Love is not God. God is love. You cannot interchange those things. Loving God will overflow into loving God's people. Loving people is not loving God. You can have an emotional connection and say, I love people, doing all the wrong things and being a God hater. But true love for God will carry the agape sacrificial love from the heart of God to love the people, not based on what you do for me, but how God loves and it's called Sacrificial love, the agape love. Having loved us to the very end. Jesus having loved us to the very end. So when you look at the centurion, the centurion loved God and he loved the people of God. He built the synagogue for the people so the people can worship God. I pray that you see the connection here. And I pray that the Spirit of God will help you to understand what God is conveying at this hour. You cannot separate these two. And the humility that was inside this centurion, not an ounce of pride. He never thought, I am this and my status is this, my badge is this and my family is this. And well, I am a Roman, we are from the ruling party and none of those things. You don't 
see any kind of bossiness there. Rather you see the humility. He was more like one with the Jewish people. We see this in the book of Ruth. Ruth, a Moabite woman, when she came into Naomi's family, and she found the God of Israel, she said, your people are my people, your God is my God. That's what happens when we come into the family of God. He is our God and his people become our family. His family is our family and that's the first family. And when we see here, this centurion had this love for God and love for God's people. He built the synagogue and Jesus hears what these people are saying and he went with them. Verse 6. Then Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house, that means he traveled quite a distance to go to his house. Getting closer. The centurion sent friends to him saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. He had this revelation that this is not an ordinary person. He said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to enter into my roof, under my roof. But did he say that? So please go away. No. There is this combination, very powerful combination here. He's saying, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my roof. But he's saying something for Jesus to do. His humility invoked the power of God out of Jesus Christ. To get to him the healing that his servant needed. God is speaking to our hearts today. The humility of the centurion. Brought the wisdom of God to him. How did he know? If Jesus has the word. How did he know about the authority of Jesus Christ over the demonic realm and over diseases? How did he know about this? How did this guy know about this? There's a revelation that was given by God to him. This is a very deep principle that he's addressing here, the centurion. Very deep. It's very true. Deep spiritual truth here. Which he conveyed to Jesus Christ that he had faith in that principle. That is an operation that the Jewish people were blinded to. Know why? Because Jewish people were very self-righteous. Proud. We have God as our Father. We know this. We've got this. And who are these Romans? And who are these Samaritans? And What did they really not have? They really didn't have the life that even the centurion had. The centurion had more than what the Jewish people had. You know why? Because he had a real faith and a real following after God. You look at his life. As Jesus was coming, he's saying, Lord, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Lord, from there, just say a word. Say a word. And he's bringing now something very powerful here. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. He's connecting what he is seeing with his physical eyes to something that cannot be seen. 
How was he able to do? A Roman centurion. He think, if I tell my soldier, that means my soldier is in front of him. Right? His soldier was in front of him. When he's looking at his soldier and says, go get me this or go do this, he does it because he's talking to a person there. How was he able to transfer this to the disease that his servant was dying from? And the word that Jesus says to come to something that you really can't see. To even grasp that principle that this is how this works. That he has the power when he speaks, this thing has to go. That means whatever sickness is there, that has ears to hear. That has legs to get up and go. That can disappear like that. He had a deeper understanding of how things worked. Who? A Roman centurion. Meanwhile, you look at the people in Nazareth where Jesus grew up. Jesus did all the miracles. Everyone he came to Nazareth, he was not able to do it. You know why? Why? They said, how can he do these things? We saw him. This little fellow. He was here with us and he grew up in front of us and he's younger. He's only 31 years old and, and we are 60 something years old and look at him and I don't believe in these things. How can he do? And they got offended by him. Because of that what happened? Nothing happened. What needed to happen? They didn't happen. They missed everything. They became Losers. Big fat zero. God is speaking to our hearts today. Never be like these people. Pride will take a person all the way to the depths of hell. And will make them into a big zero. But look at this centurion. He had everything. He was not an empty vessel who was making noise. Empty vessel makes noise. But something that is full does not make noise. He had the qualifications. He had the earthly authority. But he was someone who loved God, loved the people of God, who was so humble, who was so approachable. The people loved him. And he was able to get this revelation from God, just like Mary. Who sat at the feet of Jesus. The revelation that the twelve disciples did not get. Who sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. And who said, Lord, what is the meaning of this uh, parable of the sower and the seed? And what is the meaning of this? And they came and asked all those things. But when Jesus talked about crucifixion and his death and resurrection, it just went past their heads. They were sitting right there, chosen by God and called. And But it's Mary who came much later. She had the revelation of the death of Jesus and she brought that alabaster ointment. And she broke that as a prophetic action signifying the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a revelation given by God to her because she was someone who was very humble. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. The centurion was very humble. He knew something, even though he did not know like how the Jewish people knew God. He knew one thing. There's something to this God. From what he heard, he believed and he said, this temple is important for them. I'm going to do this. Because this God is bigger. 
So when Jesus came, even though his servant was dying, he had this faith that none of those Israelites had, which astonished Jesus Christ himself. And he spoke it out in front of the people. He didn't say, well, um, he's a Roman. I don't want to say this in front of the Jewish people. Then that's going to empower him. No. Jesus Christ, when he sees something right, he says it out. And if it comes from a Gentile, he makes sure that he brings it up and he applauds them. That's who God is. Because it's worthy of that admiration. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. It's a sad statement. He was astonished, happy for this man, at the same time sad for his people. May God never be grieved when he sees our faith. May we not be people of no faith, the little faith, shaky faith, but be of great faith. We don't need anything to hold on to except the feet of Jesus. When you know, when you know who He is, when you know how powerful He is, and when you know how faithful He is, we can say like how Job said, even if He slays me. I will still trust him. Because I'm not living to live. I'm living for him. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were like that. Their faith was great. They said, God will deliver us from this. But even if he doesn't, not because he doesn't have the power, but if his will is that we need to get there, we will still trust him. Great faith. Because these are gemstones that did not love their lives unto death. The world is not worthy of them. Their eyes were not in the things of the world. You know how many times people get shaken and their whole faith gets shaken. They want, they want to read, they don't want to pray, they want to do anything. And, and it's like the whole world comes crumbling down. When a little bit of shaking happens or things, they don't go our way. God is speaking to hearts today. Let your faith marvel the Lord. Not grieve Him. May He not look at your faith and say that, well, I have not seen the faith that that person has. You know, there are some people who say that, oh, I don't want you know, anybody to you know, compare me. I am me. I mean, if He keeps getting zero ten times, and you're sitting in first grade for 10 years, you should have some kind of a remorse and say, God have mercy on me, what's wrong with me? And I need to do something about this. We can't say that, well, I'm not going to look at somebody who just graduated 10th grade, even though I'm in first grade for 10 years. No. And there are some people who say that, we're all winners anyway. They graduated and I graduated. I'm graduating here 10 times. Same first grade. It's a grief. It's a grief. God says, there is a reason why I am pointing out to that person and saying that his faith is great. That means God is making a point over here. 
And then there are other people who get mad at the centurion for his faith. I can't stand this man's faith and this man has this kind of faith and I don't have this kind of faith and I don't want to see the centurion's faith. And every time I look at his faith, I wish that his faith gets tinier and tinier. That's another demonic spirit. That's the trait of Lucifer. They'll take a person straight to hell. Jesus will point out the faith of people who are worthy like the centurion. And Jesus will commend them in front of everyone. This is the right thing to do, he said. I have not seen such kind of faith in all of Israel. Take none of this. A rare treasure. At that point, we must take none of it. So that the people of God may learn from the Gentile. How great is our God. Let's not be like the children of Israel, but be like the Roman centurion. The rest of the story you can go read on your own. But what we need to know here is, we need to be people who can touch the heart of God by our faith. We need to be people who love God and love God's people. We need to be people who grab the attention of God because of what we're doing for him and for his people, for his kingdom. And God will come running for such people. Oh, he built the synagogue for my people, I'm coming. We need to be people who are humble at heart and never feel entitled that this needs to be done for me. The centurion was not like that. He said, God, I'm unworthy. And he was a man of great faith because of the humility he had, the love for God, the temple of God, the people of God. The value that he had for God made him valuable in the sight of God and man. I want to repeat this. A person who values God, that means who esteems God. I've said this many times. God brings it in many different ways. A person who esteems God more than anything. God esteems them more than anything. And he will set them on high places. Daniel esteemed God. And he said, even if I get into trouble with the king, and even if I have to lose my life, I'm not going to eat the food that they're offering. Period. That's it. And God made sure he puts them up. What did he do? He made him ten times more handsome. He was already handsome. That's why he was sick. But more than that, ten times more handsome, ten times smarter, ten times everything. And he had the Spirit of God that gave him the supernatural revelation and understanding and interpretation of dreams. And he became a prophet of God who actually got the revelation of the end times. Beloved of God. People who don't love their lives into death and people who esteem God more than anything else in their lives, who don't live for this earthly gain and material things and who put God first and live for Jesus, God will make sure he'll put them up. God will make sure he'll put them You know why? the more God lifts them up. Because they're already holding God up. 
the world will see Jesus more and more and more. And God will say, look at this one. This is my closest one. Look at this gem. This is my red treasure. And God will display it to this world. God is speaking to our hearts today. This centurion would have never thought that Jesus will display his faith in front of all the people of Israel and put them all to shame. He never thought. But even that sickness that was there for his servant became an opportunity for the rest of the Israelites to learn what it means to trust the living God. As we've heard again and again, our today's trials will become tomorrow's testimony. It's not an automatic thing for everybody, by the way. It's for those that truly trust in God. It's for those who truly go after God, for not what He can give, but for who He is. Shall we all?